Here we go. Welcome to the Transform with Travel podcast, where we share stories of personal transformation and life lessons through our experiences of traveling and exploring the world. Travel is the ultimate accelerator for personal growth, and it can be the root catalyst for the pivots and plot twists we make in our lives. I'm your host, Kelly Tolliday, and it's my mission to inspire you to live life to its fullest, travel with an open mind and heart, and let the world show you a new perspective. I'm so grateful you're here with us today, so let's dive right in. Happy exploring. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Transform Transform with Travel. That's the name of my blog, right? Transform. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Jen. So happy to have you here and share your story. We have known each other now since 2015, I think. It's been almost mm-hmm. two years. We met through a travel blogging outreach program that we were both in at the same time. And Mm -hmm. then we connected and realized, wait, we're both going to be in Sydney at the exact same time. And we quickly, you know, latched onto each other and adventured through Sydney and enjoyed our friend group and went on Mm -hmm. little weekends away and lots of adventures, lots of crazy nights. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not to go too deep into those ones. No. I remember your little flat in Double Bay and just being so close to the beach and taking an Uber over oh, to your gosh. house and just having so much fun and adventuring together is just so much fun. And so I have really yeah. seen you grow from that point in your life in 2015 all the way to now, just you know, running a massive business, empowering hundreds, if not thousands of women around the world. It's just been such a fun journey for me to see you grow and to see the business grow. And I just thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh my God, all those memories. I was thinking that today too. And I'm like, oh my God, how long have I known Kelly for? And I'm like, it's been a while. I mean, obviously, how long did you live in Sydney for? I was there 2014 to 2019. We yeah. like popped in and out to Asia for different bouts of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been back a few times and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah. I feel like you've been back to Oz more than I've been back to Oz at this stage. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> I've only been back what twice? Yeah, I've been back twice, 2018. And then I just spent New Year's there. Oh, oh. Yeah. And that was amazing. But it, you know, it's beautiful. It hasn't changed. Still one of my favorite countries in the world. And I miss it so much. I know. <laughs> You know, you can always go back. So that's the beauty of it is you kind of... But, okay, tell me that the flight doesn't get harder and harder every single time, like on your body. Yes, one on your body. I So we went back in March 2022. Layla, our oldest, had yet to meet her entire Australian family. So it was her first time. Yeah. So we're sitting in the seats and everyone, she's 18 months old and everyone was like, how did she do? How did she do? And I'm like, she did fine. I did not. Like, I did not do... <laughs> My back is broken forever now. <laughs> Yep. Oh my God. This last flight that I was there, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my body. Like I landed and I just felt so much water retention. I was like, I need to walk, but I also need to sleep. I haven't slept. I know. I was like cranky. I was hungry. Oh my God. It was, my body was like, what did you just do? I know. You haven't done that to me in a long time. Yeah. No, our, our, the good old 20s. <laughs> we have to prepare so much more for that flight to throw back a couple margaritas and jump on the flight. And now yes. it's like, and it would be fine. It'd be fine. You literally sleep for the entire flight. You'd probably wake up at the last hour and be like, Oh, I'm already here. Exactly. Life is good. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah. So much fun. And I guess we can kind of start a little bit there. Like 
yeah. story. So I know you share pretty openly about being a travel blogger and particularly being a broke travel blogger <laughs> and really like packing up your life and moving from New York over to Australia. And if you can kind of give a little background about what was going on in your life at that time and how you really turned a challenging time in your life into something that was the catalyst for such change for you. Well, first of all, I'm very excited to be here. I love that, that you reached out to me and, you know, I love talking about this stuff and, and sharing all the knowledge and everything I've learned. God knows I've learned so much. So I started travel blogging 2015. February of 2015 is when I kicked off my business. And the catalyst to all of it was back in September 10th, 2010. It'll be 13 years. It's crazy. Wow. My younger brother passed away for the next five years from 2010 to 2015. I struggled with a lot of mental health. And I was in a really dark place, mentally, physically, emotionally, not really taking the time to heal the loss of my brother. We were Irish twins. We were 14 months apart, super close. And I remember that day like it was yesterday, which is crazy because I could literally tell you pit by piece if I close my eyes, what I was wearing, what I was doing. It's crazy how much her mind really keeps on to those strong moments. And so I had at a point in my life, I had several rock bottoms. I don't believe we had like this one magical rock bottom. I think we have several of them. We need to, we're human, right? We need to learn things several times. And so I had had several rock bottoms in my life prior to quitting my corporate job to become a travel blogger. And the very last one, I remember looking at myself in the mirror, drunk, <laughs> and not really being happy with what I was seeing and the reflection of who I was. And I am a firm believer, always have been, that we are the creators of our reality and that we have the choice to make a difference in our lives, that yes, circumstances happen and things happen, but we really ultimately do have that choice to change what we want the most. And so I had my come to Jesus moment and realized I wasn't happy and great, I'm going to fix it. And so I set up a plan. The power of putting pen to paper, I cannot say this enough. And I think that is like the basic of any change you want to make in your life. Anybody that's listening, I think the most important thing is like something as silly as that, there's not enough power and emphasis on this. Put your thoughts on paper because when you can talk about it and you can maneuver it in here all you want, but the moment it comes out of your mouth that's into paper, like the game changes and the manifestation, like the possibility of you achieving what you want becomes so much better. From there, create that plan, create that list, add dates to your list, right? And so I gave myself seven months to sell shit, pack up stuff, quit my nine to five. I was working in New York City at an agency, a marketing agency to quit my nine to five and get on the road. And so I started my blog and I was called the social girl traveler and I carried clean water filters to developing countries. And I worked with social and sustainable brands. And I did that for about three and a half years. Then I ended up in Australia. Well, I've always wanted to go to Australia. Australia for me had been on my buckets and I knew it existed. I was like seven. And I was like, I want to be a surfer. <laughs> Was it Mary Kate and Ashley that did that for you? Yes, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> I remember telling my mom I want to learn to surf, and we're from New Jersey, like Hoboken, West. If anybody's listening right now and you're in the East Coast, Bergen County, Hudson County area, we're 20 minutes outside of New York City. The only ocean we have is the Hudson River, and ain't nobody getting in that water. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom was like, What are you going to get into? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. We can go to the beach. The beach is like an hour, two hours, depending on the traffic. It's like, get out of your head. You're not going to surf nowhere. And my brother wanted to be a marine biologist. He was younger. We loved the water. So every time we went on vacations to the Keys, we would go down to the Keys. And we'd spend a whole month down there. 
we would go snorkeling. I mean, we were pretty good swimmers. So we'd like go down and like free dive and all the things. And it's obviously as an adult, now I've expanded more on that, but that's what we wanted to do. And so we told my mom, I'll never forget this. We found a program in Sydney. It was a marine biology program. And we both wanted to go. My mom was like, <laughs> you guys are so cute. <laughs> my mom just handed us fish fins and snorkels. It was like, just go in the canal. Yeah. Right. Like, just, yeah. just get back there. That's your Sydney right there. Exactly. Like, you're not going, you're not going that far. But yeah. And so I'd always wanted to go to Sydney. And I was in Bali, which is also one of my other favorite places in the world. And I was only supposed to be in Bali for a week and I ended up being in Bali for a month. <laughs> oh, what a tragedy that was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You lived there for a while, didn't you? You were there for like a couple months. I lived in Bali. I think all up, we've probably spent four or five months there across yeah. different points in time. But yeah, I think the yeah. longest that we've spent there is at one time is probably like two or three months. Yeah, I remember. And so I was there for a month. And I was surfing in Luatu. My flight was supposed to leave and it got canceled because of that volcano. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just kept pushing my flight out because I was having so much fun. I'm like, I don't need to go nowhere. I was like, I'm really close to Australia. I really want to go to Australia. And so I flipped a quarter and that was the determining factor. Oh my gosh. I was going to go to Australia because it was either go back home because I didn't have a lot of money. I had like literally $500 in my bank account. And I was like, either I go back home and go back to make money or I go to Australia and then I continue my blog and create, you know, magic out of that. So I flipped a coin. I bought the $250 flight to Australia from Bali. Wow. And then I landed and I was like, oh shit, what am I doing here? And I remember I landed and you weren't in town. You were away. You remember Dan? You were Dan flying solo? You remember oh, Dan? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Huh? Okay. So I messaged Dan. Dan was also not in town. And then I had like two other friends and they were all travel bloggers, but nobody was in town. And I was like, oh my God. So I just landed in a country. I have no friends. I don't have a job. And I have $400 in my bank account or $300 in my bank account. And I'm oh. like, oh my God, what the fuck do I do? And in a week I found an apartment with a flatmate, a job, and that was it. The rest was history. But um, that's how I ended up in Australia. Yeah. In Sydney, like I could imagine looking at your bank account and then looking at what the weekly rent was going <laughs> to cost and thinking, oh, no, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> I literally was like, OK, in order for me, I need a job first. And it just so happened. Honestly, I think there's such a power in saying what you want mm. and it being a hundred percent committed, like your whole body, like a whole body. Yes. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, oh no, this has to work. There's no choice. So I had booked through my credit card an Airbnb for the weekend in Paddington. Oh yeah. I was like, okay, I have three days here. And oh, when I landed in Sydney, there was a huge uh, monsoon. So the entire weekend it was raining, which was a blessing because it didn't, like I couldn't go out. Nothing was open except the supermarket. And all I could afford in the supermarket was cheese and bread <laughs> and oatmeal. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like, it was so expensive. I remember getting there that first night. And mind you, I had been backpacking at this point for three months through Southeast Asia. So I hadn't had like my own room, my own apartment or anything. So this own like apartment to myself. And I was like painting my nails. I had a bottle of wine. I was watching Sex in the City. And my best friend calls me. And she's like, oh my God, you're not going out. It was a Saturday. And I was like, no, there's a big rainstorm outside. But I was half a bottle in. So I was already drunk. And I was like, I'm having so much fun. though. like, I'm painting my nails, whatever. And she's sitting there and she's like, okay, so where were your friends? I'm like, oh, nobody's here. And she's like, okay, so is this your new apartment? 
And I was like, no, no, no. I'm only here till Monday morning. She's like, Monday morning's a day and a half away. And then I was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm painting my nails, whatever. And she's like, how about the job? Did you get any clients over there? And at this point I was doing travel blogging, but I was also doing social media management Mm -hmm. and all of my clients were in the U S and I was wrapping up their contracts. So I didn't have anything coming in for at least another 30 days. (laughs) I remember like putting my head up and looking at her and being like, she looks at me and she goes, so you're telling me you're literally on the other side of the globe. You have no place to live. You have no money. You have no friend. Jennifer, what the fuck are you going to do? And I'll never forget looking up and being like, oh my God, what did I do? (laughs) And like the wrath of overwhelm and anxiety just sweeped in and I was like oh, and I just started crying Aww. and she was like no 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 it's gonna be fine like if anybody can figure out like I don't you can figure out I was like oh my god what did I do oh my god oh my god oh my god what do I oh my god what do I do and even the hostels in Sydney were like stupid expensive stupid stupid expensive and they were disgusting yeah after crying for like 30 minutes and hanging up the phone I took a shower and I realized that I was half a bottle in and I was like it's 11 o'clock at night you're not going to get a job and you're not going to make any good friends right now. <laughs> it's like, so go to sleep and wake up tomorrow morning and figure it out. And that's exactly what I did. I woke up literally 9 a.m. the next morning. I had breakfast. I sat down at the coffee table and I messaged everyone. I think I messaged you too. And I was like, do you know anybody that needs clients right now? I'm talking Monday morning. I need, give me something to do. And I emailed everybody I knew, messaged them through Facebook and my friends got back to me and they were like, oh, I can put you in contact with this person. And it, it just started to momentum and kick off. And I had a lunch meeting Monday afternoon with somebody who hired me right on the spot. And I told her, right, full transparency. I'm like, I need a deposit right now because I have to book an Airbnb. And so book the Airbnb. And I only booked it for one night. And it just so happened that the woman that I ended up booking it with, and this is so beautiful. The woman I ended up booking it with had a two-bedroom apartment and her husband was a professor up in Queensland. He just got this big job. So they weren't going to move up there for a while. She wanted to go on the weekends, but because a lot of their income was coming from this Airbnb, she didn't have anybody to manage it. And she didn't have anybody that she trusted. Mm. I said to her, and I'm like, I'll tell you what, I will pay these next two days. And then I was like, and let me stay in your living room and manage the booking for the next month. And I'll take care of everything until I find a place. Cause I told her my situation. And she was like, okay, deal. And then I was like, thank you. I was like, I'll clean. I know how to do that. I know how to run an Airbnb. Yeah, you'll never get a complaint. It was December. And so she was like, yeah, okay, no worries. Not at all. It was mid-November, beginning of, of, of December. I lived there for about three weeks without having to pay anything. And then she was like, she loved me. And she was like, you know what? I don't want to do Airbnb anymore. Do you just want the rent starting the rest of the year? Because we're booked out. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. She like, helped me out. I got my bedroom. And at the start of January 1st, I had that apartment all within one week. I got a job. I had a place to stay. And then you guys came back like a couple weeks later. Yeah. And that, that was it. And that was history. We talk a lot on the, this podcast about get creative. You mm-hmm. don't have to have all the money in the world. You don't have to have a full yeah. plan. If you're creative, if you're scrappy, if you don't look at roadblocks as like road endings, just instead of it being the end of the road, you're thinking of it as more of just like an obstacle to navigate. Mm-hmm. You can just find the most amazing opportunities in the world to mm-hmm. be able to find a place to live when you only have one day left on your Airbnb, be able to find a client when you've got $400 left in yeah. your bank account. 
a lot of people would be afraid or fearful of, you know, taking that leap and going around the world. You had a purpose behind it with the social good aspect of it, of bringing clean water filters, but also a lot of people would have been pretty fearful of that dwindling bank account or not knowing what the next step is. Do you think the passing of your brother really fueled your shift in perspective or your shift in like, you know what, I've got to live my life and I've got to be out there in the world? Like, overcoming those senses of anxiety as those roadblocks started coming your way, how do you think that mindset really helped you navigate that? That's such a good question. A hundred percent. I lost my brother at 21. Have you ever read the book, The Defining Decade? Mm-mm, no. Okay. Well, you should, because it's really good. And anybody who's listening, you should read it, especially if you're in your twenties. But a lot of it talks about how women are us. We, our personalities are molded in our twenties. And so at 21, I had my brother, my best friend literally die. So my entire life flipped upside down. Mm. And not only was it that, but I had to deal with the aftermath of it all. My parents, you know, my parents are still together, but they had a really rough time. I'm Cuban American. I come from a very close family. And then you can relate to that. Family to me is everything. And so really going through something like that, and then having to deal with your mental health, your depression, your anxiety, the grief that you go through, life goes on for everybody else, but not for you. And that's one of the hardest Mm. things that people don't recognize. So I lost a lot of friends. I was my last year of college. And to be honest, I probably shouldn't have gone back to school. But now looking back at it, if I didn't go back to school, I probably wouldn't have graduated. I probably would have never gone back. So it's a blessing. It's a double-edged sword. And I have a marketing degree. So essentially, I did use my bachelor's degree in what I do today because it's a lot of my core. But... The way I began to look at life at a really young age really shifted for me. There were certain things that didn't matter anymore and my perspective on life in general. And unfortunately, somebody who's listening to this, who's been through something similar would resonate very much so. If you haven't been through that something as traumatic, it's going to be hard for you to understand the value and the weight. I love so much harder because I know the value of what it would look like if it was taken away. Mm. And I'm not just talking about in relationships and talking about in friendships and all the things. And so what I did, and that was my awakening moment when I was working in the nine to five, I was like, why am I doing this? What happened to my brother was a tragedy. It was a wrong place, wrong time. He didn't have a choice. I have a choice. I get to wake up every day and I'm waking up and I'm miserable. What the hell's the point? And the truth is that like, listen, life isn't rainbows and butterflies. It's been 13 years. I've healed. I understand my brother's death. I've processed that. I'm in a much better place than I was a long time ago. But you go through stuff like that in life all the time. You know, this year has been one of the most transitional, transformative times in my business ever. I've gotten to learn so much more about who I am and what I want for my business and my future. There has been days where I've woken up this year and I've been like, I don't want to do this. Like, why am I doing this? But it gives you a different taste. When I quit my job to travel the world, I was so numb to society and to the day-to-day. That's where the traveling came in and healing, where I was really looking for like that connection with other people. And so traveling really opened that up for me. It, it like allowed me like humanize life again, to feel good, to have those moments of like, oh my God, this is a delicious cupcake in Spain. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I walked to the Camino. This is an amazing experience, like really feeling and not being so like numb to everything that was going on because I was depressed. and so. 100% fueled my ability to be like, this is going to work. And the other thing too, is that there's nothing more dangerous than someone who doesn't care what other people think of them. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, if you can walk 
through what I had walked through and come out on the other side the way I came out, great. But if you'd never walk in my shoes, then I don't care what you say. And I think that's something really important. People take advice from other people that have never done or been through what they had been through or want to do what they want to achieve. And it's like, go to people who've done what you want to do and have that conversation with them. Don't talk to someone who's works, you know, in corporate for 20 years and you want to go and quit your job. They're going to tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't because they never have. (laughs) Yes, it's hard. Definitely not easy. It's one of the most rewarding things. It's definitely not for someone who isn't willing to risk. So it was the fuel behind my resilience for sure. Yeah. It's just like the meaning of life. I want to get to the end. I I said this the other day. I was like, I'm going to get to the end with like ripped up jeans and not because I bought them, but because I've like run through them on the way down, you know? You earn those holes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It it really sounds like to me what you're saying is the, that experience of taking that leap and starting the travel blog and seeing the world. And like you said, using your grief when you were ready to really fuel the fire to almost re-engage with life again and understand the full range of human emotion, not just like you said, the, this cupcake tastes really, really good and the completing the, you know, Camino, but also understanding that you can experience those highs because you have experienced such depths of the lows. Speaking of the Camino, I would love to hear a little bit of your experience of what that was like, any prep you've done. It's such a physically taxing experience, but also just emotionally taxing experience. Just what brought you to do that? And then, yeah, what it was like to actually be on that path. So the Camino, anybody that's listening and wants to do it, it is not a vacation. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not going to Jamaican Republic and playing an all-inclusive and laying on the beach and vegetating. You're walking. <laughs> the real Camino. You could pay somebody to carry your bag and all this stuff. And So let me give you some backstory. I had studied abroad in Spain. And the family that I lived with, their son had done the Camino. And that's the first time I heard about it. And so the Camino is a pilgrimage walk that happens from the south of France, the north of Spain, the main one. But essentially, you can walk the Camino from any point of Spain. And the end reaches the Church of Compostela. Apparently, that saint is buried there. People do the pilgrimage for two reasons, religious or personal, right? In olden days, the priests and the nuns used to walk the Camino on their knees. Mm. The analogy behind the Camino is that you get to choose what you want to take in your life. And you can either have a road full of rocks or you can have a road full of flowers. Mm. And your backpack, what you take with you is what you ultimately need. So metaphorically speaking, think of your life. And as you get older, you put things in your backpack. You put memories, you put people, you put emotions, you put stories, rackets, whatever you talk about. And then eventually your backpack gets a little heavy or it gets a little lighter depending on how you like to roll. So I did the Camino from Leon, from the midpoint. So it takes about 30 days to walk the entire Camino from the south of France to the north of Spain. And depending on where you start, whatever. The traditional Camino takes 30 days. I did it halfway. So I did from Leon to Santiago, which is about three weeks. Wow. I did that for monetary reasons. I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> so I was like, all I can afford is like these three weeks. So this is what we're going to do. Because I can't, you can't work on the Camino. I didn't take my laptop. I took my phone and a camera and a journal and that's it. You take what you can carry. That is the real way to do it. People pay other people to take their bags and leave it at the next stop. I'm not a fan of that. If you're going to do something, do it all the way. Like, don't have ass that shit. And so <laughs> I did it. I did it from Leon to Santiago. And I, the first day I got to Leon, I stayed at a monastery. I remember I rocked in and the priest was like taking my name. It was early in the afternoon. You don't start walking until morning. 
they don't recommend that you leave in the middle of the day because the road, you're on a, you're in the mountains by yourself. So if I left in the afternoon, I probably would end up sleeping in the woods, which I was not okay with. So I stayed on my own. And so I walked into this monastery. I registered my name and I had this huge ass bag and it was like a backpack and it was full to the top. And I had like a cushion ass towel to take a shower, all these toiletries, whatever. And he started laughing and he's like, can I offer a piece of advice? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, listen, the point of the Camino is that you take what you can. You do not take everything. And he explained it to me. He's like, the analogy is that in your life, you will have things that you need to get rid of, Mm. things you need to take with you. And so you get to choose what you want. And then he's like, go to your room, your bed. And I was in a room with 15 other people. And he's like, lay everything out. And if you would mind me giving you advice on what you need, we donate. And then you can leave this stuff here and we can donate it because people come and go. And I was like, okay, cool. So I lay everything out. He comes over and he's like, you don't need this, you don't need this, whatever. The towel, I had this huge ass towel. It took us so much space and it was like a heavy towel. And he was like, you don't need this. And I'm like, what do I dry myself with? And I had an instant dry like face towel that was literally the size of my torso. Yeah. And he was like, he literally lifted it up. He put it against my body and it covered my chest to like the bottom. Oh God. <laughs> and he was like, this is all you need. And I was like, what about the back? He's like, you'll be fine but it saved up so much space. It really made a huge difference. So every time I got out of a shower, and by the way, these are communal showers. So I'm not in a, in a private bathroom. I got out of the shower. It was a women's only. Got out of the shower and like literally be up against a wall with a towel just covering the front of my body. Oh my God. By the end of the Camino, I was like, I don't fucking care. I was just like butt naked. I was like, who cares? We all have the same thing. That goes to show you. And I had all these leggings and these little tank tops and all these things. Did it? No. By the end of the Camino, I swear to God, I had that little towel. I had two pairs of socks, four pairs of underwear, two pairs of leggings. I had shorts for when it rained. And then I had long pants for when it was cold and I had two t-shirts and then I had a set of pajamas and that's it. I would wash everything at night when I came to the apartments and I would hang it and that was it. And that is what I carried. And I had my journal, a camera and my phone. And I ultimately didn't need my camera. I could have just took my phone. But that is what I had and that is why I started the Camino. And for me, the Camino was such a beautiful experience because I didn't realize how much healing I really needed to do. Hmm. And I genuinely think that that was the start of it. I had a lot of time to myself. Out of the three and a half weeks, I would say two and a half of them, I spent completely alone. At night when I got to where I was sleeping, there was people there and I connected with people. The moment I started walking, I was by myself. So there were times where I was like on a road for hours alone. And I was talking to myself. I was talking to animals. (laughs) I was journaling. I was crying. A lot comes through when you're by yourself. A lot of fears, a lot of insecurities. And of course, I was talking to my brother. So a lot of it was like healing that and letting that go. And it was interesting because I met so many people that were in a rush to get to the next place because they had a timeline. Hmm. And there I was on my road with no timeline because I had no nine to five. I technically had just started my own business and I could take three weeks or I could take 10 weeks. It ultimately didn't matter. It was up to me, but I just kept trying to grab onto people because I didn't want to be by myself. Hmm. And when I realized that like a week and a half in, I was like, Oh my God. I mean, think about it metaphorically in life. And I'm just comparing myself to people that I grew up with, you know, my own sister, family, friends, where it's like everyone's doing the thing, they're checking the boxes and it's beautiful, you know, like everybody wants that. But it just didn't go like that for me. And I had a choice 
And I could either be in the moment and be present and enjoy it, or I can rush through this Camino because I had to get somewhere when ultimately I really didn't have to get anywhere. Hmm. I mean, I want to go back and I want to do the whole thing. And I think that when I do that, that'll be a, whew, I could probably write a book. I'll probably will write a book during that. <laughs> That's what kicked everything off for sure. Right. And mm-hmm. I love what you said about there's other people that were on their own timeline and they had to get from A to B in a certain point. And it must have been at a certain point, like, man, I'm really on my own path. Literally, figuratively, I'm forging my own way. And I'm sure that yeah. would, at least for me, kind of feed into that little bit of sense of isolation. Nobody else is going through this. I'm doing things on my own. People back home are doing 100%. all the things, like you said, checking off the checklist. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that was a really pivotal point in your transformation. Can you just place in time, like what year was that? So you said you had just started your business. Was that back in 2015? I did the Camino end of March, beginning of April. Okay. Okay. 2015. And so I left the United States February 22nd, went to London, which was so stupid because I did my master's in London. London is one of the most expensive. I mean, That's actually right now so it's not expensive. so bad because of the dollar, but it, at that time it was so stupid. So stupid. But I had a lot of friends there and a lot of connections. So it, I mean, it worked out because I ended up pulling two social media clients during that time that ran with me for about six months mm. from that point. And so that was really nice. That was a nice like, you know, passive income that came through. And there wasn't a lot of work that I needed to do with those people. And then from there, I just went to Spain. And then after the Camino, I stayed in Spain for a while. I went down to Sevilla and I was in Sevilla for a bit. But it's very interesting because I don't think we realize how much we hold on to things. Mm. People really don't like change, including myself. Like we really don't like change. And it's hard for you when you're doing something for a really long time, even when you're friends with someone, when you have a routine to step out of that and how much you hold on to those things. And I don't think people actually realize how much it is. And so for me, it was a very interesting perspective. And like now that I'm sitting where I sit now, it's always been a lesson that I've had to learn in life over and over. The next level is a new devil and it requires a different person. Mm. And with that means that there's shedding of old skin, there's shedding of old relationships, shedding of old, of old you, of old habits. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me of in yogic texts, there's the two cornerstones of yoga. And I'm not even going to attempt to say the Sanskrit names, even though I've been studying for 10 years. But the two cornerstones of yoga is keep with the vision, keep with the faith, keep the trust, but then at the same time, keep letting go. So so it's never give up, keep letting go, never give up, keep letting go. And that kind of is like the Camino in a nutshell is- It is. Never give up, keep one foot in front of the other. And at the same time, keep throwing out the cushy ass towel out Mm -hmm. of your bag. By the way, I read The Alchemist on the Camino. It's one of my favorite books. I've read that book like 16 times. But for me, that was a real reflection of that as well. Mm. It really is move one step. We're so focused on 20 steps when all that ultimately matters is that one foot right in front of the other as you continue to let go of whatever is holding you back. The older you get, the harder it is. And true. Absolutely. You've mentioned your social media management business when Mm -hmm. you had first started it back in 2015. Mm -hmm. And you were also doing travel blogging at the same time. You were into social enterprise, doing social good. And you kind of moved through and navigated through all the ups and downs of being a solopreneur for a really long time. At what point did you then transition into what you're doing now, which is being a business coach a very successful business coach for women to really empower them to step into that CEO energy, the CEO of their own business. And now it's, I believe, a half a million dollar business, which is just incredible. So how did you go from that $400 in your bank account 
in Sydney, not knowing when the next client yeah. was coming in to now just absolutely killing it and sharing the education, sharing the wealth with women around the world. The travel blogging, we were like the original influencers yeah. of the world, right? Like we called ourselves influencers were bloggers. And so brand deals were hard to come by. Mm -hmm. And when you did come by them, anybody that's listening knows that you don't get paid right away. It's not like when you go to a supermarket and you buy something or you sell something, you instantly make that transaction. With influencer marketing, with that type of transaction, it takes time. Because I also wrote for other publications, the fees wouldn't come in until much later. To make a long story short, in 2018, I kind of reached a point where I was doing it all alone. I was exhausted. I was burning out. I was in $30,000 of debt. And I was like, this is not sustainable anymore. I cannot do this. And I'm exhausted. Hmm. And I had a VA and she was everything and she was helping me edit videos, negotiate contracts, all the things, whatever. And then I started to get asked to get on stages and teach people how to build a brand and what social impact was and all these things. So this was late 2018 because I started to get asked. It was like a natural pivot. I launched my very first online course on how to build a brand online. And that online course was an $11,000 launch. In that in moment, I was like, holy shit. I got it. <laughs> I was like, I see it. Like I see the tunnel. Like I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I see the vision. Great. Let's go in that direction. This was November of 2018. I slowly began to pivot in 2019. So all of 2019, I spoke on a lot of stages. I launched a lot of programs and I got crystal clear on the pivot and how I was going to do it. Hmm. And then in late 2019, when I went to a hotel and I was actually able to pay for the hotel, and I could sleep in and I didn't have to wake up super early and follow this itinerary because I was working for the hotel. I had my moment where I was like, holy shit, I love this and I'm happy here and I want to do this. So I continued to build this brand. And then we all know what happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, wait, yeah, wait, can, you, can you let me know what happened in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone wanted to build an online business. And because I had already built a name for myself prior to that, it just skyrocketed. And I hit my first six figures in 2020. And then after that, it's just been tripling every single time. So ultimately, like it was just a natural transition because I think I had built such an authority in my space and people knew who I was and what I was doing. And it was a lot easier. And yeah. so here we are now. And yeah. Something that just really popped out to me is when and, and anybody who hasn't been on a fam trip, on a media trip, worked with a brand in travel, was a travel influencer, blogger, vlogger, whatever. Yeah. Everyone really assumes that being a travel blogger influencer is very glamorous. And whilst, yes, it is amazing yeah. to get flown to, I don't know if you end up going on that Indonesia fam trip, but there was a couple of us that were invited to go to Indonesia to tour with Tourism Indonesia. And mm -hmm. we looked at the itinerary and we were like, man, this looks really great. You know, I don't know if you did it or not. No, I didn't. But I've done a, lot, a ton of fan trips. Yeah, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. So there's like, you know, day mm -hmm. one, Komodo Island, day two, Bali, day three, Lombok, which are all three yeah. separate islands. And you think, man, that's really cool. But they take like four hours to get to each Exactly. <laughs> and then you're sitting there in your hotel room, editing all your pictures and posting on social media and doing your YouTube videos. And you're like, yes, I got to see snippets of this place, but I just spent four hours of my day downloading content, editing, publishing, scheduling. And so when you had said, you know, I paid for the hotel, I could sleep in, I didn't have to take pictures, that yeah. liberating feeling. And I remember exactly that point too, when that was happening with us. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And for those listening who have had done any sort of content will know what yeah. that is like. But also when you say that 
you went from being an online coach and then in 2020 was your first six-figure year. And then every year after that, it's just been scaling and scaling and scaling. Yes, there are things mechanically, logistically that you can do. Obviously, there's sales funnels, there's marketing, there's this. But there has to be some sort of mindset shift within you to even be open mm-hmm. to that possibility, right? And that's what you talk a lot about on your Instagram is you do talk about mm-hmm. there. Yes, there are formulas, there are funnels, there are A plus B equals C, but you don't get from C mm-hmm. to Z without unlocking a certain p- potential within your own mind. So can you describe yeah. a little bit of the mindset hacks that you've done over the years to really get yourself from A to B? Oh my God, there's so many. I don't think <laughs> like I said earlier, new level, new devil. The reason why some entrepreneurs only last for three to five years is because there are parts of you that you need to recognize and you need to own. And some people aren't willing to do that. And I'm not talking about woo-woo. I'm talking about like just real parts of who you are as a human. Being able to communicate thoroughly and have honest and open conversations with your team members. Get people on board with a vision. What got me to six figures is not what got me to half a million. And it's Mm. what got me to half a million is not going to get me to a million. It's a whole other way of looking and being and acting and representing yourself and being honest with yourself. There's a level of integrity and dignity that you have to withhold that nobody's going to hold you to. Our society teaches us how to fix the problem, but not actually solve the problem. They teach us how to follow the rules, go to corporate job, climb the corporate ladder, be a director, finish, you know, fill out your resume, do all the things. But when it comes to being at the top, you are the decision person or society doesn't teach us how to be, make decisions. And that is what you do as a CEO. I said this the other day, it takes courage to be a boss, babe, but it takes grit to be a CEO. Mm. You are the one taking all the risk. You are the one not sleeping at night. You are the one putting your ass on the line for what you believe to be true, which is why having a why, as everyone's like, oh my God, have a why. Like, no, make sure you, this is the reason you wake up in the morning. It has to be so deep that of course it should be selfish, but it has to be so deep that you are willing to change who you are because every single level will require that. For me to get to 5,000, I had to recognize that I needed support. I couldn't do it alone. Then to get to 10,000, it was really seeing the vision of who I wanted to become and stepping into that a little bit. The entire process where I am today is more and more becoming who I am and being unapologetically who I am. Mm. I remember being at like the $5,000 mark and looking at someone who had a million dollar business and just listening to them communicate to their team and being like, oh my God, she's so direct. Like she's such a bitch. (laughs) And now that I sit close to that, I'm like, oh no, she wasn't a bitch. (laughs) She was respecting her boundaries and she was withholding her vision. Mm. It's hard for us because we're not taught to do that. And men are. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I love men. You know I love men. (laughs) Can't live with them, can't live without them, you know? (laughs) But it's hard. It really is hard. And men are taught to sit at a table and they are demanded respect. Whereas women are taught, you have to earn your respect. And I don't think that's fair or equal. We could do like another hour of this. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Women, it is a different playing field. And it's not just rooted in our society. It's rooted in our culture. It's rooted in our DNA. It's who we are. We are taught to shh and be good girls. This statistic will blow your mind, Kelly. I heard this the other day, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, less than 2% of female founders will reach a million in revenue. Oh, wow. Wow. Girlfriend, 
That is unacceptable. Yeah. That needs to change. Absolutely. That has to change. And you're on a mission to make that happen. Oh, uh, that's your mission. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I heard that and I was like, no, 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 no. We got to fix that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Every part of who you want to become in the world requires a new vision. And it doesn't have to be like this great, like, I want to be a movie star. I want to, you know, you can have whatever you want. But ultimately, getting there is always going to be different every single step of the way. It's not easy. Yeah. And I even think like it doesn't even have to be about business either. If you want to go from being an overwhelmed, chaotic mom into being a present, calm mom, it's not just about doing a couple breathing techniques and a couple mantras. Like that's some deeply rooted stuff that you have to go through yourself, how you were parented. And so, like you said, it's just next level, next level in every aspect of your life. Same with your health, same with your relationships. Yeah. So it's just advice that can be taken, you know, really all across the board in all aspects of life. Absolutely. The last question that I have for you is just, I know it's the dreaded B word, but balance, right? So now owning (laughs) a half a million dollar business, plus being so connected to your family, you go and visit your nieces and your nephews all the time. You're so close to your family, but you're also now living in a different state from them. You're also traveling the world, speaking all the different things, health, everything. So what do you do to help just keep your head stable and steady? And, you know, what are the things for you that kind of help you bring yourself back to you when things get overwhelming? I'm going to call myself out here. I have the utmost respect for moms. I hope to one day become a mom. I can't wait for the day I get to have my babies and I get to, you know, squeeze those little shits. <laughs> I'm an aunt. I'm an aunt of four. And I watch my sister run a business. She's a lawyer. Her and her husband own a firm together and be a mom and be a wife. And it is really hard. Mm. I think that word balance is a facade. And I think it's dangerous because it's like this shiny object that I don't think is, I don't think it's possible, but I think it's the way you reframe it. And I think it really is about prioritizing what's important. Mm. You cannot fill from an empty cup. As an aunt, when I take care of my nieces and my nephew, and I'm with them, all four of them by myself, everything that I want is on hold. So like if I need to pee, I don't pee. (laughs) If I need privacy, it doesn't happen because I'm with them. So if I could have like a little taste of motherhood, that is what I have tasted so far. But I'll never really understand it completely. So I will say that I think the rules are up to you and you do whatever you want with it. Never compare yourself to anybody because everybody is different. Everybody has a different circumstance and like physical body and emotional, mental, et cetera. Hmm. And I will say it's really about prioritizing. Ultimately, I can do 20 different things, but what is the most to me? What means the most to me and when? I'm working so hard right now so that the day I do become a mother, I am allowed to be fully present with my kids because I have a business that runs itself. And I understand that some women don't have that privilege. So if you are listening and you are that person, I think it's one, not being so freaking hard on yourself. Like give yourself a pat on the back because you're doing something that is really hard. And second, it really is about prioritizing what's important. As a business owner, regardless of what you own, whether it's a yoga studio, Reiki, spiritual healer, whatever you are, or a cake shop, the number one thing you need to do in order to have a business is bring in money and have sales. So that should be your number one priority in the business. But whatever your number one priority is in life, whether it's your children, your husband, whatever, your partner, then that would overtrump that. Mm. So yeah, I don't know if that was helpful. No, no, I do. But I think for me, it's really about prioritizing. 
And that's so true because when you said the number one goal of any business is bringing in sales because without the sales, there's no business. But then you said anything outside of that, like your health or your family or partnership, without you, there is no business. So if you're just like drowning yourself for the business and you're not prioritizing the things that make you you, whether that's going to spin class or going to the beach and or getting a coffee with friends, then like you said earlier, what's the point? So I think it's like you said, just getting really yeah. clear on what your priorities are at that any given time because anything can shift month to month, year to year. And yeah, just being really honest with yourself. I think you mentioned previously just having really clear communication with yourself and being really transparent and honest with yourself. So I appreciate that. Is there anything else? I always end the episode with some rapid fire questions, but is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up the episode? No, I I mean, this has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can't wait to share this. I know. I'm so (laughs) excited. All right. So rapid fire questions. I just love to hear people's lists and and goals. So number one, if you could only go back to one country, place, town, whatever it is, only one, you can only go back to, where would it be and why? And what, just like live there, visit? Whatever, whatever that means to you. Visit, if you could, maybe let's say like, if you could only go back and visit one place for the rest of your life, where would it be and why? Oh, Australia. Yeah. (laughs) Easy. Because I think it has everything. Yeah. I think you could, yeah, I think it has a beach, it has the snow, it has the culture, I love the people, all of it. So I would say Australia. Good choice. I I, I'm a little biased, but I think that's yeah. a good choice. <laughs> Somebody else said Sydney yeah. the other day, and I was <laughs> like, like so, "Yeah, I was like, okay, I I like you. That was a good answer." <laughs> okay, so number two yeah. is what's number one on your bucket list right now? Travel bucket list. Travel business, whatever. Um. Ooh, that's a good one. So number one travel on my bucket list is I want to go to Argentina because I haven't been. So that will happen probably in the next couple of months. Cool. And then bucket list and business, get my business to a million and keep it at a million. Love it. And then obviously keep growing from there. Yeah. Bucket list in life and like what I want to do now. Oh, I want to learn to skateboard. Oh, how that, cool. Which is currently what I'm working on. <laughs> Skateboard, million dollars, Australia. I feel like those are like a recipe for success. You get a nice house in Byron Bay and just surf and skate all day. And there you go. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Number three is what's one of the biggest life lessons that you've learned through traveling or living overseas? Patience. (laughs) I've learned so many, but the first thing that just came to mind is I would say patience, but patience with yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. And then the last one is what is one piece of advice you'd give to an aspiring explorer? Go. Get out, leave. It doesn't matter. If you've never left, you've never been in your home, like you've been in your hometown and you're listening to this, just go get the hell out. So you're never going to regret it. You'll never be like, "Oh my god, I left and it was the worst experience of my life." Maybe your flight might be delayed. Maybe you might to reschedule. It's not a big deal. There are worse things, but I would say go. Go wherever it is you want to go, explore it, take yourself out to dinner alone, spend time with yourself. And I don't think enough of us do that. And I think that is one of the most important, most valuable things you can do for yourself and your character. I love it. Thank you so much. Can you just share how our listeners can connect with you online or social media, whatever it is, or how they can learn more about your upcoming launches and programs? Yes, yes, yes. So you can find me on Instagram at jennifer.marilla. I am there, always there. You can shoot me a DM. Let me know what you thought about this and we can connect from there. But if you watch me there, you will learn all the things. You can also go to jennifermarilla.com and you can sign up for my newsletter and get all the information. There's a quiz on there on what kind of entrepreneur you are, what kind of kryptonite entrepreneur 
you are. And that's always a lot of fun, but mostly on Instagram. So yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I'm so stoked that we got to reconnect you, through this. And I know. now that we have realized we're only an hour and a half away from each other in Florida, we will definitely spend yep. a little day together. <laughs> we definitely have to. We definitely have to. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Transform with Travel podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of inspiration, adventure, and exploration. If you felt inspired by this episode, please rate and review in whatever streaming app you're listening from. This allows us to spread the word even more and continue to serve up weekly doses of adventure. As always, we'd love if you could share the episode with someone in your life who you think will benefit from this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. This is your reminder to get out there and keep on exploring.